Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, April 26th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Mike Allen on the president's approval rating at the 100-day mark. Plus, why are there so many immersive Van Gogh exhibits in the U.S.? But first, India's COVID catastrophe is today's one big thing. I had a long conversation with a dear friend in Mumbai last week, Payal Kapadia. I wanted her to explain what life is like in India right now, so I asked her to record a voice memo that I could share with all of you. Let me tell you, if there's one week in history that you shouldn't fall ill, this is it. You know, it feels like the news is tightening, that COVID-19 is slowly entering our homes even if we don't step out. There's a feeling of utter helplessness and despair. Why don't we see the second wave coming? And how do we stay well now that it's back in such horrific form? We've run out of ICU beds, oxygen, life-saving drugs, and we feel entirely abandoned by the government. Yesterday, India marked its fourth day in a row of record high coronavirus cases. As you heard Pyle say, it's a horrific situation. In India, they've recorded more than a million cases just over the past few days. Indrani Basu is a D.C.-based independent journalist who's worked in the U.S. and India. Hi, Indrani. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me here. Is India currently experiencing basically the worst case scenario for a country during the pandemic? It's definitely pretty bad in India right now. We are currently in India at over 300,000 cases every day. And it's expected that by mid-May, it would be over 500,000 cases a day, which is much worse. And so I think part of the natural question is, how did this happen? And I want to ask you about vaccines, because India is a country that's known for producing vaccines when it's not a pandemic. Why is it so far behind on vaccinating its own population? So there are no easy answers to that question. Currently, the vaccinated population is at 1.6%, which is very low. Um, There has been some uh, vaccine hesitancy even now when a lot of people are getting infected. There are people I know back home who will refuse to get the vaccine because they believe that the vaccine isn't helping. Also, the rollout of the vaccines has been pretty slow in India. The Indian government has announced that from May 1st, every Indian who's over the age of 18 is eligible for the vaccine. But there's no clear plan in place for how these vaccines will reach these Indians. What is the international community doing? I know the U.S. in particular has been criticized for not offering help fast enough. There has been increasing pressure on the U.S. to first release these restrictions that caused raw materials not to be sent to India that are critical for making Covishield, which is the AstraZeneca vaccine. On Sunday, there was good news when the White House announced that it was going to, in fact, send these raw materials to India and also help with PPE and diagnostic testing kits, which are also in very short supply in India. However, the U.S. also does have about 40 million doses of the Covishield vaccine that they have not yet committed to sending to India. The U.S. so far has not approved the AstraZeneca vaccine, and it's becoming increasingly unlikely that the U.S. will even require these doses. Andrani Basu is a D.C.-based independent journalist who has worked in both the U.S. and India. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. We'll be back in 15 seconds with Mike Allen on Joe Biden's first 100 days.
Welcome back to Axios Today. This week, President Biden approaches the 100-day mark of his presidency. His approval rating right now is better than former President Trump, but still, that's not saying much. Axios co-founder Mike Allen is here to give us a sense of what the polling says on that and more. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Myla. So President Biden's approval rating is at about 52 percent. Is that good or bad? Well, it's where the country is, right? President Biden won by a bit, hasn't flipped a lot of people. And this is what you and I have been talking about for months and months, that the election didn't change anything. It didn't settle anything. Instead, people kind of went to the camps that we thought they would be in. And even though President Biden has had an incredible run of success on his must-do issues, those numbers are still like they're good, but they're not transformative. Mike, given how divisive everything is, I wanted to ask you what you're thinking about for this week as the Biden administration marks their first 100 days. In the first 100 days, President Biden did what he needed to do most, which was get COVID emergency relief, get people vaccinated. But the next 100 days are a lot harder that he's going to try to spend a couple trillion dollars on infrastructure, social spending paid for by tax increases that Democrats aren't necessarily going to go along with, and Nyla immigration, a very tough issue to bring people together on. Axios had an interesting conversation with Frank Luntz, the famous Republican pollster, who had an interesting idea about immigration. He said a pact to getting something done is to give it each side what they want most. So for Democrats, that's a path to citizenship for the dreamers, the people who came to uh, the United States as young people. And for Republicans, it's uh, some kind of barrier. Don't call it a wall. Frank Luntz is very focused on language. Uh, that sounds ugly and scary, but call it a barrier or a fence. Uh, Nyla, if you describe the package that way, in his polling, 60% of people are for it. A majority of Republicans, Democrats, how often do you hear that these days? Mike Allen writes the AM newsletter for Axios. Thanks, Mike. Now I have the best week. No matter what part of the country you live in, there's a good chance a traveling, immersive Vincent van Gogh exhibit is coming to a city near you this summer. The problem is, which one is the original? Axios Tampa Bay reporter Celine Sanfelice is joining us from St. Petersburg to clear this up for us. Good morning, Celine. Hi. When we say that there's an immersive van Gogh exhibit, what does that mean? This particular kind of exhibit is standing in a room where all around you, Van Gogh's artwork is going to be projected onto screens. And then that is also timed with music. It can be sequential to the phases of his life that he created the artwork. Some of these exhibits are making a lot of money. The irony in that is that Van Gogh really never sold any of his own work in his life, and that was a big torment for him. So it's fascinating to see this kind of pick up as a trend. Why do we think there's five different exhibitions across the U.S. this summer? The show Emily in Paris actually featured Imagine Van Gogh, and people seeing that kind of immersive experience, seeing how, like, Instagrammable it was, except it seems that there is this misconception that everyone's going to see the same Van Gogh exhibit, or sometimes even two of them will be in the same town at the same time, and people will buy tickets to the wrong one. How can people clear up that confusion? What do they need to know about that? 
I would say that before you buy tickets to an exhibit, just make sure you know what exactly it is and who's putting it on. So one of these companies in particular, uh, Fever, was selling tickets for a higher price than the others, and they've had kind of poor ratings from the Better Business Bureau. Just know which one you're going to and how much it's going to cost compared to the other ones if that's what you want out of it, and uh, go have a good time, but just know where you're going. Celine Sanfelice is an Axios Tampa Bay local reporter. Thanks, Celine. Yeah, thank you. And finally, one last thing before we go. At the Oscars last night, Chloe Zhao made history as the first woman of color, the first Asian-American woman, and only the second woman in 93 years to win the Oscar for Best Director. Her film, Nomadland, also took the Best Picture prize. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at Axios.com or find me directly on Twitter. My handle's Nyla Boodoo. And if you want more news before tomorrow, you can tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.